Hello and welcome back to our devotions on the Psalms. I want to talk about Psalm 133 today. Let's read it. It has only three verses. Let us pray. Father, speak your truth to us. What really makes a church be like a church? What makes gives you joy and what your blessing is to our churches? Help us understand this psalm as we read it and meditate on it. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 133 Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This psalm talks about how important unity among brothers and sisters, I'm sure brothers and sisters, Christians, is in the church. It's often forgotten or understated about how important such unity is to the church. We often talk about discipleship, we talk about how personal holiness, we talk about doing things, doing good deeds. But so often, we miss the one truth, and that is unity in the church. Or sometimes we talk about unity and we fail to understand what it means. Does, it, does unity mean uh, lack of conflict, that we don't fight at all, that we go together in one direction? What does unity really look like? But first, let's talk about how important unity is. Verse 2 says it is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. Just imagine oil, anointing oil going down the head of Aaron. We talk about who Aaron is. But the head of Aaron flowing down to his beard, flowing down his cloak, just flowing down his body. The picture is of excessive overflowing oil. Not just a drop of oil that that stays on his head, not even a few drops of head of oil that just wets his hair, but oil so abundant that it pours down his hair, beard, that means goes down his face, covers, flows down his beard, flows, even trickles down to the collar of his robe, an overabundance of oil. Now what is the significance of Aaron? Aaron was the first high priest. He represents the whole worship of God. It's almost like the whole religion of the Jews in our day would be the church. That the unity of the church, the unity of the brothers in the church is like the anointing oil flowing in abundance. And the oil is about blessings. Oil is about abundance of goodness. So it is like blessings that is not just dripping on our heads, on the head of the church, but Blessings that are overflowing, just pouring down into the church. What a beautiful picture. That the church becomes not in lack of blessings, but just overflowing with blessings. That's the first picture. The second picture is in verse 3. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. In certain months, between the months of May and September, there is no rain. On, the, um, on Hermon and on Zion. But during that period, there is much dew. 
And it is this dew that wets, that waters Zion, so that Zion becomes fertile even during the dry season. And what the psalmist says then is just like the dew, that unity is what waters the ground. Even in times of dryness, when there are in times of um, crisis, or times of poverty, there is still a richness that pours down, that causes life to grow. Think of it. Unity among Christians, unity within the church, is so important and so fertile. First of all, it is like the abundance of blessing flowing into the church and through the church. Second, it is like dew that waters the ground even in dry season, even in the toughest of times, even in crisis and calamities, in shortness of blessings perhaps. It is that which causes growth within the church. And then concludes, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. Unity in the church is the life of the church. That is so important. Why it is so important? You know, we often think that a church is not growing because it lacks the resources. Church does not grow because it lacks the even lacks the abilities that we may see many of our members are not capable of doing much or we don't have many resources. And sometimes we say that we are a small church and cannot do very much. We have many, many reasons for why a church is not being what it should be. A vibrant body that grows, that allows members to grow in knowing God. Or a church that reaches out to many the reason for this is not that we lack the resources, the manpower, the abilities, but very often because there is no unity within the church. What then is unity? Is unity merely the absence of conflict? I don't think so. I think unity is based on two things, on trust and on friendship. Trust meaning that I, whenever I serve because I believe that you are true to your word. I serve because I know that your motives are pure. I serve because I trust you, that you will not betray me, you will not let me down. And friendship is affection. I serve because I have affection towards you. Do you know trust and affection are far more powerful than all the resources that we could ever have? Because trust and affection allows us to serve with greater zeal, greater enthusiasm, greater joy. When I serve among friends, or even better, when I'm serving friends, people who care for me, who support me, who love me, I am all the more excited and um, empowered, enthusiastic to serve with you and to serve you. And then when I trust a person, then I would bear my heart to them. I would dare to grow and take their word, their advice, their promises of prayer, their even the initiatives to start something, I would say, put me in because I trust the people who have started it. Trust and friendship are two very important ingredients for unity.
And unity is what allows a church to thrive. Why then? That is why, really, we at Amagape have so many of these interest groups. Why we are so excited about the cafe on Sunday and lunch on Sunday. We have not become a social club, do not worry. We have not become like a country club with lots of games and a lot of play and lots of coming together. We are not a social club. And yet, we recognize the best way of forging friendship and trust is when we communicate and we play together. These are two ingredients for building up friendship and trust. The first is face-to-face -face communication. Face-to-face -face conversations dispel a lot of misunderstandings and are far more effective than WhatsApp, emails, even a phone call. Phone call is good if that's the only way, but nothing beats a face-to-face -face meeting because it is at a face-to-face -face meeting that we can see how open the other person is. When I serve you lunch, I bring you the utensils, I get the water for you, I run about helping you. You know that I have affection for you. When I sit with you and I look you in the eye and we talk, you know immediately that I'm not hostile to you. None of these body language can be read over an email. I may say something and you may think, oh, he's angry with me when actually I was just saying something. But in a face-to-face -face conversation, we could clarify with the with facial expressions. You could look at the smile. I could see the smile on your face and know that you're not hostile towards me. I can look at your body language, the way you're open towards me, and not with arms folded or with body turned away from me. When we have conversations, even over difficult subjects, difficult issues, when we sit down and talk, we can look at each other and understand the affection that we have for each other and the sincerity in what we say and then grow in trust and friendship. Body language, verbal language, all of these make all the difference. But it's not just about dispelling misunderstandings. It's also about coming out with creative ideas. You know, one of the things that really inspires me is when we sit together and we talk about the needs of the community, the needs of the people around you, Imagine sitting with a youth leader and the youth leader tells you about the things that the youth are doing, the things they're interested in, the things that are hurting them. And then you come up with ideas and you realize, hey, this is what I can do. These are the things that I, resources that I have. It is often in such, con such conversations that new ideas are generated and inspires people to serve together. Which is why we have the cafe. And I want to remind you once again, lunch is provided for free. And so if you're tight for that week, or you need, you don't have enough to buy the lunch, generally it's less than $5 per meal, don't even think about giving. Or you could give a dollar or whatever you can afford. But some of you, of course, have much more money and you usually go for lunch that costs you $10 or $20, but because this fellowship is so important to you and it's more important than the food, well, you could still throw in your $10 and $20 to defray the cost. At the end of the day, we are ready to pay for the meals. But your contribution also helps to defray our costs. What's most important 
is that we come together to talk, we come together to meet each other, whether it's a newcomer whom we welcome to our church, or whether it is some people whom we have seen before in church and never met before, or even close friends. We come and have different conversations. Some of these conversations may be just light, funny, we could laugh over many things. But along the way, we could also begin to talk about the issues that trouble us, the issues that interest us. We could ask about the things that are happening in the country and the things that we could do. We could ask about the things that are happening among our members and how we can help. One of the most inspiring stories I ever read, and actually I visited that church, was the Church of the, Sa church of the Savior in Washington, D.C., we were on holiday, well, I was studying there, but on a holiday in Washington, D.C., and we heard about this church, a small church of a hundred people. We actually drove up and down the street looking for the church, thinking it was a mega church like uh, New Creation or City Harvest. And after driving for a number of times up and down, we looked at the address again and saw that it led to a little house. When we went in, we saw the congregation, a small congregation. But within this congregation, so much work had been done. They had started medical care, they had started schools, they had started rehab centres, a vocational institute, a home for the homeless, numerous work. All of these started very small. It started in a little cafe that belonged to this church, near the church. Each Sunday after service, they would gather at the cafe, have meals, have drinks, and then they would talk. They would look at the poor children who had no one to care for them, no education. And then someone would say, why don't I give tuition? And then they started tuition, and more and more people came to give tuition, not always from the church, but from the neighbourhood who did. And over time, a school was started. Likewise, for the hospital, started one doctor caring for people who couldn't afford medical care. And then they realized they needed um, an operation theater, operation theater, and they started one. And nurses and doctors from the surroundings just came, heard about it and came, and it grew and it grew. So much so that the people in that community were blessed because ideas were generated just within the cafe as people talked about what God could do through them for the community. I'm always inspired by that, and I believe that even in our church, that could start. But it starts with friendship. It starts with trusting people with the things that we say, believing that each other's words are not just empty words, but that we are speaking what's in our hearts. I don't know what will come out from this cafe, but I believe very much that as we talk, we grow in our own faith, but we also grow in reaching out to others. The second element of building friendship and trust is play. Play is so important. Play is where we relax and then we have conversations in a very, very relaxed manner and we think even more. We are drawn closer to each other because we play together. Business people would know that that they spend hours and hours and days and days in the week just playing golf. The golf game is not a pastime only. It is where contracts are made, friends and trust is developed. When we play together, 
It eases our minds, it allows us to be creative, but it also helps us to trust each other as friends, no longer just as people apart from us, but as people we have played with, we have laughed with, we have cried with, we have even fought with sometimes. And we are able to be friends because we have affection for each other. Simple example, just two days ago, uh, my daughter had to make a very difficult decision about a chair that she wanted to buy. It's not just about comfort, it had to do with the back, whether it would hurt her back even more. And we went to the shop and we sat there, she tried it, <clears throat> three hours, and it was the last day of the sale. And she was almost in tears, wondering what to do, whether to buy it or not to buy it. To buy the wrong chair would be total waste of money. To not buy it would lose the sale. And after three hours and just one hour before closing time, I said to her, let's go for a walk. We went for a walk. We didn't talk about the chair anymore. We just talked about anything under the sun, laughed, cracked jokes. And then we came back to the chair and suddenly our minds were clear and we knew what we needed to do. Walking, joking, laughing, playing, relaxes our minds, gives us new perspective. But more than that, it helps to foster trust and friendship as well. Which is why our church has started many interest groups. And you know, these interest groups are not started by the leaders of the church or by the pastors or the staff. It's initiative suggestions from the congregation. We started with cycling groups. And we have two official ones. Uh, one that cycles, I think, for 50 kilometers and another for 20 kilometers. And we joke that maybe we should have a third one that the cycles 20 meters from where we are to the hawker center. After all, that's the main aim. But we have interest groups so that we can grow together. We also have, we'll also be having soccer, badminton and basketball interest groups. And very soon we, oh, and we also have walking groups. Uh, right now it's only for the women, but I'm sure we could have some that includes the men as well. Walking is great because you get to talk to each other, you get to share ideas, you get to clarify misunderstandings too, and it deepens friendships. And we are thinking of many other interest groups. Um, some ideas that have been thrown up are like have a gym at the atrium, um, have hydroponics to do something with it, but we are not sure what to do with it. Um, yet, dance, even baking classes, various things that bring people together. But there's one other purpose for interest groups, just to invite your friends who are not Christians, friends who have left the church or have never been to church, in a very non-threatening way to be friends. Because when they come, they also know that we come from Agape Methodist Church. They could come then and be our friends and join our fun and as they do so, we understand them more. We could also share their problems with ourselves. Together, turn to God and turn them to God for their, for solutions to their issues. It is not just for fun. These interest groups are also for us to understand, to know people from our church and outside our church. And then, introduce God, the way we understand God to each other, that we may grow together and those who do not know God may begin a journey of knowing God. 
So what do we do when we go for an interest group? First, most important, pray. You could pray as a group if all of you are Christians, but if some of you are not Christians, some of the guests are not Christians, pray quietly. Pray that the Holy Spirit will be there to guide you. That as you begin the interest group, whether it's a game or cycling or walk, that God will use you to bless another. It could be blessing a fellow brother or sister in the church. It could be blessing someone who has never been to church. But just ask that God will bless your time together and use you as a channel of blessing. Second, be open. Be open, have an open attitude that you're not here to stick to your best friend. You're not here to stick to your small group or your clique. But you are to be inclusive. Whenever you see someone to bring the person in. Third, be sensitive to newcomers. Spot newcomers, especially in a large group. I mean, in a small group, of course, everyone would know each other. But if there's a larger gathering, look out for newcomers. Be friendly. Smile. Smile all the time. Allow them to know that you welcome them, that you're glad that they are with you. Fourth, listen even as you share. Listen carefully to the things they say because that's so important. And then when you do make friends, pray for that friend, your newly made friend. Pray that there may be other opportunities to grow deeper in this friendship, this affection, and this trust. Each of the activities that we have organized, whether it is gathering on Sundays at the cafe, or whether it is one of the interest groups, are done intentionally that we may build trust and friendship with church members, with people outside the church. Take these opportunities to grow, to share, share ideas, and together as a church, we may see for sure the blessings that God wants to pour upon our church. Because as the psalmist says, how blessed, how happy are those brothers and sisters who live in unity. Because it is where God's blessings flow. It is where even in troubled times, there is joy and there is hope, there is love. I pray then, that as our church grows, that these social groups will continue to be the avenue where God will bless our church. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the many opportunities where friendship and trust is developed. We thank you for the various ministries, our children's ministry, where children develop friendships, where parents develop friendships. Even the teachers and helpers grow in their friendship and affection for each other. For the youth, we thank you that the ethos is not about numerical growth alone, but it is that each one will be cared for and loved and have friends. We thank you too for the Chinese and the English congregations and how, Lord, you have gelled us together. We pray then that through the many avenues that we have, that we will be an encouragement and a blessing to each other, but not just within the church, but that we, we will be so open to the public, the people in the neighbourhood and outside to come in and experience the love that you cause us to give. Because Lord, you caused us to be called agape, the church of love, church of your love. 
We pray then that those within and those outside may experience truly that love that comes from you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in and have a blessed week. God bless you. Goodbye.